Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well wherever and whenever you are. If you are new or visiting, make sure you check out our website, everyonechurch.com.au. Find us on Instagram, Facebook at everyone.church. And most importantly, come and visit us in person. We are weekly in person every Sunday. um, And it'd be great to meet you, get to know you, maybe get a coffee or two, maybe a, a, a double shot. Maybe a piccolo, whatever it is that you like. And if you don't drink coffee, then I don't know. You can have a apple juice or something. But over the last few weeks, we're well into the year now. It's the third week of 2024. How's it settling in for you? I hope you're doing well. Are you still writing 2023 in all your texts and at work and stuff? Or have you officially changed over? I'm the kind of guy that's like, hey, by the time November hits, I'm finally getting used to the new year date. And then it changes. <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been speaking about Keystone Habits, really to kind of kick off our year. Habits are powerful things, and many of them uh, we just fall into. uh, And our ability to sustain change will rise and fall based upon the habits that we instill in our lives. Jim Ryan, who is an American track and field athlete, first high school athlete to run a mile in under four minutes, said... Motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going. So we've been talking about this. Charles Duhigg, in his book, The Power of Habit, talks about a keystone habit, and it's a habit that people introduce into their routines that unintentionally carries over into other aspects of their lives. It's that one thing you do that triggers other things you do. Uh, A keystone habit has a ripple effect. So we've been asking the question, what is the keystone habit of a Christian? What are the keystone habits of a Christian? Uh, we started with reading your Bible. We talked about prayer. Uh, last week, we talked about praise. These are all keystone habits. They have a ripple effect in our lives. James Petresca, who's a University of Rhode Island researcher in psychology and behavioral change, he said this about the keystone habit of exercising. He said, when people start habitually exercising, even as infrequently as once a week, they start changing other unrelated patterns in their lives, often unknowingly. Typically, people who exercise start eating better and becoming more productive at work. They smoke less and they show more patience with work, colleagues, and family. They use their credit card less frequently. They say they feel less stressed. It's not completely clear why exercise spills over. There's something about it that makes other good habits easier. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a keystone habit. There's something about a life that is committed to routinely, habitually being in God's Word Uh, reading it, listening to it, studying it, dwelling on it, memorizing it, saying it, living it, loving it, knowing it, Uh, a life that is routinely and habitually and continually in prayer, praying throughout the day, praying on a consistent basis, and a life that is routinely and habitually praising God, praising God, praising Him outwardly with singing, with instruments, praising Him with other believers, praising Him with lifted hands, with bowed knees, experiencing God's peace in amongst that praise moment, that praise experience, it has a ripple effect in your life, doesn't it? Uh, I guarantee you, if you commit to these keystone habits of reading your Bible, prayer, praise, and what we talk about today, it will have a a marked God-honoring change in how you live your day-to-day life in 2024 and going forward. So today I want to speak about another keystone habit that you might not have considered to be a habit, 
Um, but it definitely is. And Jesus taught us that it is. It's something we should be doing regularly. And uh, I want to talk about the keystone habit of forgiving. Forgiving. In Luke 11, verse 2 to 4, it says that Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. We often study the Lord's Prayer in the context of just solely prayer. Like I, I, when we spoke about prayer a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about how the Lord's Prayer is like a framework for us to pray. But in here is, is an interesting life application as well. You see, most of the Lord's Prayer is on God. You know, uh, holy is your name, may your kingdom come, give us our needs, forgive us, don't allow us to fall into temptation. But there's one action required of us, and Jesus values it so much that he chose to include it in his framework for prayer, his, his encouragement to us of how to pray, and that is to forgive those who sin against us. So if this is how Jesus said we should pray, pray and and we are encouraged to pray continually, often, daily, at very least. The point that Jesus is kind of making here is that as often as you should pray, you should also forgive. As often as you should be praying, you should also be forgiving others. Forgiving should be a habit in your life. It's something you do often, routinely, regularly, uh, and you are not short of opportunities to forgive, obviously. I think this is another reason why Jesus put that in there. Notice the Lord's Prayer doesn't say, hey, help us forgive those just in case they sin against us. It insinuates that people do and people will sin against you, and you do and you will sin against others. It's just part of being in this imperfect world with imperfect people. Jesus his model of prayer shows us that as much as life is to be lived with God and unto God, holy is your name, may your kingdom come, it's also lived with people, with parents, with kids, with with work colleagues, with pastors, oh boy, with neighbors. This is life. So forgiving is definitely something we need to get good at and get familiar with and and not just put on the shelf. It's a keystone habit. James Prochesca says, there's something about exercise that makes other good habits easier. Uh, There's a life that habitually forgives is a life that has lived easier. For one, uh, you won't have any long-term healthy relationships without the giving and receiving of forgiveness. You won't have any long-term healthy relationships without the giving and receiving of forgiveness. I mean, look at your relationship with God. Where would you be without God's constant and continual forgiveness? Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. His mercies to you are fresh every morning. The first act of God in the process of salvation is instant forgiveness. My sin washed clean, not earned over time or cashed in later. No, it's instant. It's, it's, it's not little by little. It's in a moment I am forgiven. In a moment of accepting Christ by faith and turning to him in repentance, I'm forgiven. My, sin are wa- my sins are washed away. 
You know, when when Peter was declaring the gospel in Acts, one of the first times the gospel was preached after Jesus returned to heaven. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Now repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. This is the core of what the gospel is all about. My sins wiped away by his mercy, in his mercy. I'm forgiven. You are forgiven. And God's offer of forgiveness wasn't just there for when I was willing to turn to him and say sorry. No. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So while we were still unrepentant and and still dead in our sin and, and not willing to turn to God, he was still willing to offer us forgiveness. So this serves as a foundation of any outworking of forgiveness in my life as a Christian. When we know we have been forgiven and the cost of that forgiveness, we have the capacity to pass it on to others. I believe those who struggle to forgive others often have a deep-rooted shame or struggle with receiving forgiveness from God and may have never truly known they are forgiven. Or, or, or maybe you have a sense of self-righteousness that you feel you don't need God's forgiveness, right? So therefore, I don't need to forgive others. When we experience the weightlessness of forgiveness from God, there are a few experiences, if any, that can compare to that. I remember when I became a Christian, and I, 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 and even now, as, as I, when I take things to God and I say, Lord, please forgive me, feeling that sense of weightlessness that my sins have been taken away, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Our forgiveness received from God serves as a foundation. It's a, it's a worldview definer. It's the lens by which we view the world. I, if I have a shame, fear-filled view of my relationship with God, that distorts how I view my relationship with others when I am wronged. Are you forgiven today? Once you know that you are forgiven by God, you can then start to talk about forgiving others and live that out. Forgiveness is evidence of your transformed Christian life, both inwardly and outwardly. And on top of that, there's no other topic in the Christian life that has more of an eternal impact than forgiveness. Uh, for a Christian, forgiveness is not an option. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So when I, as a Christian, hold unforgiveness against others, it's offensive to God. It's big deal stuff, right? Uh, at, at one point, Simon Peter asked Jesus about this very topic in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone, my, my, my brother, who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, 70 times seven, why, why that amount? Is Jesus saying that we should forgive 490 times only? Well, the background of this is, is, is uh, scholars believe this is a reference to Genesis chapter four, where we read of a guy named Lamech, who was a descendant of Cain, and God had said about Cain that if anyone kills Cain, I will punish them sevenfold. Okay, and then Lamech, who was a man full of vengeance, he said, well, if that's the case, then anyone who tries to kill me, I will punish 70 times seven. Okay, so when Jesus is mentioning this number, uh, theologians believe that 
it was a common cultural phrase at the time for the Jews. So it's kind of like an infinite number, like no cap or something. But, but so Jesus is effectively saying there is no calculation here. It's like like heaps and heaps and heaps. You you can forgive. You will forgive. You are called to forgive over and over again. There's no limit. And then Jesus begins to expand on this statement by telling an amazing parable, a story in uh, verse 23 to 35 of Matthew 18 about a king who, who someone who owned owed a king millions of dollars and they couldn't pay it. And the king let them off. He said, all right, you're free of your debt. And that same person who was just forgiven of their debt went to someone who owed them much less money, uh, only thousands of dollars, and they really lashed out at them, and they didn't forgive them. They punished the person who owed them. And when the king found out, who just relieved that guy of millions of dollars of debt, he was furious, and the king punished the man even more. Wow. So one man owed millions, and the other owed a few thousand. Now, in this story, we are the ones who owe the large debt. We owe God millions. We owe God so much, yet he has forgiven us. So what is Jesus saying here? He says that what others owe me is nothing compared to what I owe God. This is what I mean when I say that forgiveness is a worldview definer. Now, is Jesus minimizing what others may have done to me? No. It's simply just putting it in perspective, an offense into perspective. Forgiveness doesn't lessen the wrong that was done to me, but it does take away its power over my life. It surrenders vengeance to God, which is interesting because that guy Lemek was a very veg- full of vengeance. If anyone tries to get me. So Jesus references that number. It's, a, it's a, actually a beautiful tie in there that, hey, we're, we're actually placing vengeance into the hands of God, surrendering it to him. Uh, in in Native Brazil, uh, they use this monkey trap. It's called a kombucha, and it's a it's a they carve a hole in a gourd, which is like a big fruit, or they use a big jar. And uh, it's not the only place in the world that has used a similar trap to this. Other places do, but this is is from what we know the origins of it. But this 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 fruit, the gourd, is is, is carved and cleared out, and it's they put a hole that's just big enough for the hand of a monkey to squeeze in. And then they put in. Then they stake that fruit to the ground, so it's stuck to the ground. And they put inside of it something that attracts the monkey, like a like a fruit or like a banana or something. And the monkey comes along, sticks his hand through the hole, grabs hold of what's inside. He's like, "Man, I want what's in there." And he grabs hold of it and makes a fist. And his hand can no, or her hand can no longer get out of the of the fruit, and it's. They're therefore trapped on the ground. They're, they're stuck there as long as they're holding on to what's inside there. They're stuck. And this is what unforgiveness does in my life. It weighs me down. It holds me back. It keeps me captive. Someone once said unforgiveness is like trying to get rid of the rats in your roof uh, by feeding yourself rat poison. It's like, I got rats in my, the roof of my house. I better eat some rat poison. This makes no sense, right? We're talking about the keystone habits of a Christian. Don't be the, the person that's holding on to something. Like that monkey in, in, in the kombucha trap. I'm holding on to this vengeance, to this revenge, to this unforgiveness. What I really need to do is just let it go. Let it go. Release it to God and be free. James Petreska says there's something about exercise that makes other good habits 
easier. Living a life whilst hoarding and carrying unforgiveness, it's difficult. When I refuse to forgive, it affects me longer than the person who has offended me and wronged me. Have you ever met a person who is just unforgiving and bitter? And the person that they're mad at has no idea. Like they've moved on. They've even died. They've they, they even never knew they did something wrong. And that bitterness and unforgiveness just continues to affect the person and their future relationships. Have you ever been that kind of person? I have. Absolutely. And I think it's important for us to remember, this is just a bit of a side note, that we're a newer church community, and we need to ensure that we aren't bringing unforgiveness and bitterness from the past into our new church community. There's new friendships, new faith friendships happening all across our church. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect people. I'm not minimizing the fact that something might have been wrong. Someone might have wronged you in the past, but let's not allow that to poison your future and the place that you are being planted right now. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So th- both of these verses speak directly into the, the context of Christian community, the family of faith. And th- th- these are the people that we're doing life with God together with, right? So, And just some quick points about forgiveness, because I want to make sure we emphasize this as well. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not just forgetting what someone... It's actually releasing that offense to God. Forgiveness does not mean you extend unconditional trust or access, particularly in abusive situations. Don't give access to abusive people, right? Uh, Forgiveness is given, but trust is earned. Forgiveness is trusting God to bring about justice. Not just trying to gossip my way to just get my my side of it heard, you know, figure out my no no no. If forgiveness is trusting God with the justice and the vengeance, forgiveness towards others can sometimes be a process. Absolutely. So how do I know if I've forgiven someone? Well, here's some questions I ask myself about forgiveness to kind of just assess my heart. Do I do I secretly hope something bad will happen to that person? that they might get what they deserve? Do I continue to talk about them to others, particularly in a negative sense? Do I continue to have arguments with them in my mind? This is that weight of you know unforgiveness. You know, you're, you're, you're arguing with them in your mind, oh, I would have said this, and if this happens, I'm going to... Come on, that, that can be evidence of unforgiveness. And here's a big one. Can I rejoice in their victories? When you have forgiven someone, and you see them succeed, uh, can you actually rejoice in that? Or is it still like, you know? Now, here's another question. How do I seek forgiveness? Well, admit you were wrong and ask for forgiveness. Don't just say, I'm sorry, but say, hey, will you please forgive me? I think that's really helpful. James Prochesca says, there's something about exercise that makes other good habits easier. Jesus said, as often as you pray, you should forgive. This is a keystone habit. It has a ripple effect in my life. So let me encourage you to get today. Forgive because God forgives you. Forgive because it will stop you from becoming bitter. Release that banana you're holding onto like the monkey in the monkey trap, right? Forgive because people are imperfect. 
Forgive to take the power of the past away. Forgive because you too will need it someday. I know I need forgiveness, not only from God, but from others, because we're imperfect people, right? Amen. So are you holding unforgiveness in your heart today? Has someone hurt you? Do you find it hard to engage in, in even in church community because of your hurts from the past? Give it to God. If needed, talk to someone safe. And let's go on this journey of following Jesus, instilling these keystone habits, Bible reading, prayer, praise, and forgiving, and let's enjoy an amazing 2024. Amen. Well, you might be listening today and you actually know that you need forgiveness from God. That's where it all starts. You need to, you need in your heart, you're like, man, I need to make my life right with God. Well, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I often pray this prayer at the end of our sermons or at the end of our podcast. And I want you to make this prayer your own. If you need to make your life right with God, it goes like this. I want you to say this to Jesus as I pray it out loud. It says this, Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today... I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, you're forgiven. If you really meant it and you turned your and gave your life to God, you are forgiven. And we'd love to help you with that. So let us know. Come to church next week. Send me a text. Send Maria a text. Message us on Instagram, Facebook. We'd love to give you a Bible. Invite you to Connect Group. Uh, get, help you on this journey of following Jesus. And as for everyone else, hey, let's have a week filled with forgiving. Amen. Have a great week.